Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks so much for tuning in to the pod. We bring back one of our somewhat regular guests, if you will. James Dixon is with us. He's the managing editor for Michigan Capital Confidential. James, how are you, my friend? Excellent. Tony, thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for being back. I've got a ton of questions to ask you, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what your take was of the elections in November. The election was disappointing, I would say. You know, when you read the Michigan GOP memo, you know, they did kind of a postmortem about, you know, what happened that day. And their argument was basically, you know, hey, if we had just lost the governor's race close enough, Republicans would have held on to the legislature. So essentially, that was the strategy, right? If we can lose close enough, we'll hold on to the status quo. So were there truly two teams fighting as hard as they could for a win? There were not. And that's probably the hardest thing to deal with. And what was interesting is, and I think you and I, among many other people, have learned not to trust the pollsters. All we kept hearing about was this red wave. But when you get down to it, it was the Democrats who really sold their messages, even though they had nothing to do with what most of us would consider important, the price of gas, the economy, border security, so on and so forth. They sold the Green New Deal and they sold abortion and they did it better than the Republicans. And I thought that was interesting. They did. You know, they spent so much money and they just pounded the airwaves from such an early date. I mean, even before, you know, Labor Day, whereas Republicans feel like didn't really get invested in that race until they saw Tudor Dixon on the stage with Whitmer. They saw that she did better than they, you know, probably thought she was going to. And they realized, oh, my God, we have a person who could really challenge. But by then it was probably already too late. What did you think about the media coverage of the elections? You know, it actually wound up being more accurate than I thought. I thought the polls were way off, but I think the election did reveal one big weakness in how we talk about these races and how we talk about the polling. So there's something like 29, 30 days before the election where people can vote early in Michigan. Mm -hmm. So the polling we need to be reading about needs to be some kind of mix of exit polling and polling. Because we were reading, oh, you know, the day of the election, you know, Tudor Dixon up by one. That may have been true if everybody voted that day. But when, you know, two thirds of the votes have already come in, it matters less. So we need some way of accurately knowing what's going to happen. And it looks like the Democrats were much more efficient in getting their vote out for the early vote. And something else I don't think was covered and I thought was very impactful was the college vote, was the youth vote from, say, 18 to 25. The Democrats did an outstanding job in getting not only that vote early, but getting a period. They did. And I think the most troubling part of that is I can see in my mind's eye, I know what Democrats are telling the young voter, the college voter. I can see that speech happening. What does a Republican realistically have to offer that cohort? And we're not talking about just free stuff, but there seems to be a kind of attitude on the conservative side where, hey, we'll wait till people age into, you know, their 60s 
until they have AARP memberships. And then they'll, you know, become these free marketers. You got to reach them when they're 16. Mm -hmm. So we have one whole side. That's the only one talking to them. And there's, you know, if you're not one of the few young people who is radically self-identified as conservative, you are not only going to be liberal, you're going to vote liberal and you are going to vote. And the key for the Republicans is what do they have to offer if it's not abortion, if it's not something with the Green New Deal, what do you have to offer? Because when you and I were in college, we didn't care about the economy or gas prices or what was going on at the border. And, you know, what I keep thinking about is when these politicians get together, whether they're D's or R's or they're coming together for policy, they have to compromise. And it seems like the Republicans won't compromise on the abortion issue. And they're going to have to if they want to get younger voters. Yeah. And so when you come in and the stance is no compromise, no exceptions, and that's played on a loop, what it comes off as is these are not partners in the future. Yeah. They're just extremists. They just believe what they believe. They don't care. They don't care about your individual circumstance. They're just going to give you this one size fits all thing. And so this was a real rubber meets the road moment, you know, between no restrictions and all kinds of restrictions and no restrictions won. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with James David Dixon. When we come back, one more bit on the election, and then we're going to talk about John James, newly elected, and we're going to talk about the China a little bit also. We'll do that next with Tony Conley here on Media Business. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network and our conversation with James David Dixon. James, one more thing I wanted to get your opinion on in regards to this past election and the election that we're kind of going to see the results to from here pretty soon that in Georgia with that Senate race. And I think Senator Warner has done something that I brought up a little earlier in regards to finding compromise. Now, here's a pastor. And if you're a biblical person, you can't support abortion. Right. You just can't. God says, right. you know, no to that. But he has gotten elected, you know, being someone who is pro-choice. And I'm not saying that's compromise or it's not. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But there's a guy who would seem to have found compromise with that. And I know he wants to get elected. He's going to say whatever he can to get elected. But I just find that interesting. You know, I think about Warnock and I, I think about him not as someone who's reached compromise. I think of him more as someone who's compromised himself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you Good want point. to wear the regalia of a pastor. You want that name. You want that respect. But you don't say or do pastorly things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it, it's really a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that brings us to the topic of putting quality candidates out there. 
And no disrespect to Herschel Walker, but with all that's come out with his lack of experience, it's interesting that the Republicans couldn't find somebody to do a better job than he has. And give him credit. He got through the primary. There's a runoff. But still, there seems to be so much noise around him that you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, but I would say the same dynamic was true with John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. you know, but he came in, you know, he was a lieutenant governor. He was someone who'd run for office for quite a while. Herschel Walker is still a novice. But I think in both cases, you're making major compromises on quality and really the remaining value they have, Walker and Fetterman, is likability. Mm -hmm. And that's tough because, you know, beyond a certain point, you know, Likeability is nice, but how can you advocate for me? What's your ability to help me and mine? And with the lack of results from the Republican Party, it's been in the news quite a bit that not only the state of Michigan, but the National Republican Party could be making some changes in leadership because there's been a lot of discussion that the message and the messaging was poor. Yeah, and it's really interesting because we're in kind of a strange place right now where the last two forms of successful Republicanism are both fallen right now. So you have the Mitt Romney, John McCain thing, the kind of pre-surrender crowd. Well, they failed. Trump was a repudiation of that. But Trump himself has been repudiated several times over, right, Mm -hmm. by now. So where do you go from there? We don't want people who give up, but we don't want people who take fights and lose them. We don't want people who aren't tacticians. We don't want people who are willing to throw everything away so this cult of personality can win. So what is next? Because nothing we've known in the last 20 years will work now. What's your take on the Elon Musk takeover of Twitter? You know, it's been a breath of fresh air. I could use some more followers myself if Elon can touch <laughs> about that I can help him out but uh, you know the problem with news media and the problem with social media in the 2020s is that they're no longer places to tell the truth right so we're talking about people are assigned sex at birth not born a man or born a woman we're talking about all these different things men can have periods you know men can get pregnant these absolute absurdities. And the meaning of those things was to chip away at your self-image as someone who views himself as a truthful person. They're going to get you saying this and get you saying that. And today, it's a much more level playing field where you can be you and let the chips fall where they may. But the algorithm doesn't feel like it's working against you anymore. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the chips fall after this, because Elon Musk is a self-professed Democrat, a liberal. We wonder if other mediums will follow and other entities in, hey, let's just do what we're supposed to do in the media, fair and just, and let our audience know whether this is opinion or fact, and the fact should be backed up by facts. Yeah, but, you know, I would go even a step further. I mean, you know, Beyond fair, I would say if everyone was skeptical, if every big plan we heard, if it was bigger than building a road, if all of us said the sensibility were, boy, I'm not sure that's going to work. Not sure that makes sense. We should ask more questions. We should probe and see if they've really thought this through. Instead, the media tries to say one side can do no wrong. 
One side can do no right, and they make themselves very easy to ignore. We're talking with James David Dixon. When we come back, we'll finally get to John James, who won an election here in the state of Michigan, and the story that involves him and his thoughts about China. We'll do that next here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley, and this is Media Business. rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley here on the Michigan Business Network with James David Dixon. And I wanted to talk with you, James, about your story about John James. First of all, he won an election, but he and many others keep echoing that we need to keep an eye on China in so many different areas. And that comes when it comes to EVs. Talk a little bit about that story. Right. Well, you know, the concern with things like EVs and solar panels, my colleague at Capcom, Jamie Hope, has done a great story about that. When you think about these green technologies that we're told is the future, you know, you really have to look deeper because everything in life has trade-offs. So how some of those materials are obtained, the working conditions of how they're obtained, the environmental risks of those materials themselves, you know, if a bird, you know, flies into a pool of lithium, that bird won't survive. Now, would they be well off if they fell into a vat of oil? No, but you've seen them on the commercials where they're, you know, kind of dabbing it off. Those birds survive. You just have to <laughs> clean them off. Yeah. So we have to really think about these things. And too often in the media, it's presented as EVs good, internal combustion bad. Here's how I would complicate things. Is I would say we have a hundred year advantage on the internal combustion engine. If EVs are essentially a different product, then we're moving to a world where Detroit no longer has a built-in advantage. And that's a scary world because Mm -hmm. in that world, cars can be built anywhere. Mm -hmm. James, I wanted to get your take on John James. I think he goes to show most people who run for office the first time, (laughs) you got to get that experience. You got to get those notches and he kept at it. And we'll be seeing him in DC come January. You know, I saw it with one of his ads, actually two of them. One, he had Al Fracasa, his coach from Brother Rice, you mm-hmm. know, do a nice ad with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime you're leaning on the elders and asking for help, especially mm-hmm. in a regional type election, mm-hmm. you know, that name matters a lot in Southeast Michigan. And the other one is I saw him do an ad where he was at a literal gas pump doing the ad and talking mm-hmm. about, you know, how it affects, you know, the cost of running a business and just getting around. And when I saw those, I thought, oh, this guy really gets it now. Mm-hmm. Something has clicked or he knows it's not about, you know, let's uplift me in my own story. 
He has to show what he can do for you. James, I also think it's interesting when we talk about China and how the Green New Deal, how this has been sold and how security, world security is discounted, energy is discounted and how important oil is. So many things, the timeline to make that happen. It just seems like the message from the supporters of the Green New Deal, if you will, have been so much better in pushing this across. And I know it helps that President Biden has a lot of folks in place, including former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm, pushing this agenda across. find it so interesting that people's ideals for them and their needs outweigh the rest of us or the rest of the world or what's really true in reality and what can be done in a reasonable timeline. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're working on a story right now. There's a Michigan lawmaker, Yusuf Rabhi, who's a Democrat out of the Washtenaw County area, Ann Arbor area. And, you know, he submitted a bill. 100% of our electricity would have to come from renewables by 2035. Now, we're nowhere close. It's something like 10 to 15% right now. What's realistically going to happen in the next 13 years that's going to change that? They can't say. These people honestly believe, just like with COVID, that if they pull certain levers of government, if they put black ink on pages, that the world will respond. And it may actually take in Michigan a wide amount of us going, you know, a cold winter without heat, a hot summer without AC. It may take some kind of actual catastrophe to show people how dangerous this talk of transition before you're really ready. And what's interesting about that, I read a recent article that was on the World Health Organization's website, and it said, even if we did everything that we want to do here in the United States, it would have a 0.0001 effect on really helping our planet, if you will, because if China and Russia and India and all the other third world countries do what they're doing now, which is nothing. What we do means nothing. And no pressure is put on those countries. Absolutely. And so, you know, we can do the Greta agenda, the Gaia agenda, but that would be a suicide pact. I don't think anyone has a problem with, you know, moving toward zero carbon. If we're going to act like carbon's the only problem on earth, that's fine. But then you got to embrace things like nuclear. What you wouldn't want to do is let something like Palisades Nuclear Plant, where we get 15% of the state's clean energy, shut down. So if you're going to really do it, you have to have things work. And windmills and solar panels will not work. We've been talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor. And James, it's always enlightening to read Capital Confidential. Appreciate the news. Appreciate you folks just trying to be open-minded. And we'll stay in touch with you, sir. Appreciate you, Tony. I'm Tony Conley. We'll see you next time right here on the Michigan Business Network with Media Business.